All right, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the third week of our series entitled Triggers. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us, those online each week, all of our physical locations. We are in a five-week series. We're talking about those things that cause us to go from zero to 60 in two seconds. The comments, the situations, the circumstances that impact us, and we feel feelings that are so familiar. Had a conversation with a lady one time. She said, Pastor Steve, when I walk into a room and there's a certain personality, it's almost like my palms start sweating because it reminds me of this situation that happened to me when I was a kid. Well, what is that? She's being triggered. Well, what does it mean to be triggered? To be triggered means that you are consciously and even subconsciously, there's memories that flood in your mind. And it almost transports you back. And you feel in a very eerie way the same feelings in the present that you experienced maybe even years ago. So what is the goal of this series? The goal of this series is to help us, number one, identify the triggers. Well, what are the things that set you off? Again, we all tend to be irritable at times, but there's those moments where, I mean, it is just, it, the fear plagues us. It gets us on the back of our heels. We start falling over. What is that? Why is that happening? Number one, first goal of this series is to identify the triggers. And here's the reason why. I said week one, if we don't learn how to, watch this, how to manage our triggers, our triggers will manage us. Now, I want to say this. I want to go on record again saying this. God has not designed you and I to ever be manipulated by any emotion or negative mindset. We actually have authority in Christ to rewire our brains, to transform our minds, and to live a victorious life. How many are grateful for that? Now, why do I say that? Number one, we've got to identify in order to see what we need to overcome. So the second goal of this series is to eliminate triggers where we're not manipulated, beguiled by negative emotions. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe the fear, the anxiety, oh my gosh, it's hurricane season, and what's going to happen? And so it's almost like 15 years ago, because it was such a painful loss, anytime you hear that, what is that? You're being, you're being triggered. Now, it's not to suggest we deny circumstances, but we deny the right for anything to manipulate and control how we feel. God has given us authority. God has given us the strength. Now, I want to talk to you today about a man in the Old Testament that was manipulated by his emotions to the point that he lost his influence. Ultimately, he lost his leadership position. I want to talk to you today about the first king of Israel. His name is King Saul. Saul, in my opinion, and you'll see bore out in Scripture, Saul was, he was what I would call overwhelmed he was captured by the fear of man. An insecurity was so strong in his heart that he often cared more about what people thought about him if everybody was happy with him rather than God. The truth is, is that we all at times have been fearful. We've been fearful of what people think about us. And let me suggest this. I'm not to suggest that we in any way don't care what people think, but there's a difference about caring what people think and ultimately caring what people think. In other words, in God, we should care about what God thinks the most about us. And the reality is Saul was manipulated. He was controlled. He was, he was beguiled. I use that, script, that word again because Paul talks about that. He talks about when Satan manipulates us. But do you know that our emotions can manipulate us? You are not what you feel. 
The enemy would like to convince you of that. The enemy would like to suggest to you that you are what you feel. No, we're not. We're a child of God. If you've been born again, you've been born again. You've been blood washed. You've been purchased with the price. And you can have authority over how you feel. The reality is, is that we do not have to be manipulated by our triggers. There's been times in my life, I remember starting as a young pastor. I was 30 years old and Again, 22 years ago, and I, I, again, there's a healthy sense of wanting to please people, but I remember going home many times after preaching, thinking, you know, honey, you know, what about this person? I could just see they're just not happy with me, and, and, and I could, I just, maybe I should call them. Maybe I should say, you know, why? I mean, I could tell during the message. I mean, they just get, they just shrunk down in their seat. Maybe they're just, unple- maybe they're just, see, there's a difference of being a servant to people than being enslaved to people. See, Saul was enslaved. There's times where I felt those feelings where I was controlled by what people thought about me, the fear of rejection. We can fear rejection. Those of you that have experienced deep rejection in your life, maybe abuse as a child. Maybe there's some sort of a brokenness in your life related to the aftermath of a breakup in a relationship. And so now you walk into every relationship with eyes wide open. Why? Because you fear Rejection. In other words, what does it mean to fear rejection? You fear the feelings attached to that painful moment when you were rejected. And because of that, because of that, there's a cautiousness in your soul. Saul was not only the first king of Israel, but he had tremendous potential. But yet, he allowed a situation. You're going to see it in just a moment. He allowed a circumstance and the fear of what people thought to manipulate him to the point that he disobeyed God. Trauma is real, by the way. Abuse is real. Things that impact our lives. Saul, as he grew up as a young man, he had a broken, tough relationship. Even as a child, you'll see it. I'm going to show you in just a moment. Even with his dad, he was ridiculed to the point that he was, he was not esteemed. He was actually defamed to the point that he didn't even feel he could accomplish small tasks. Good looking guy, strong guy. And yet deep in his core, there was a feeling of insufficiency. He had a tough relationship with his prophet, Samuel. He had a tough relationship with his pop, his family line. His family line had some shame attached to it because of some things that took place. Search it out in the scripture. And so Saul, in one sense, he was on the top of the world. Great potential, could achieve great things. But yet his fear, fear in his heart. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you feel on the outside everything looks great, but deep in the core, if we could open up how you really feel... There's great insufficiency. There's great insecurity. There's great fear. Maybe it's because of a comment that was made to you as a kid. You'll never amount to anything. You're a bum just like him. You'll never achieve. You'll always be addicted. Maybe it was a comment like that. Or, I don't love you. You're un- Let me tell you something. You're a terrible person. You, I should have never, ever married you. <laughs> Boy, that's just a bam right to the soul. Maybe as a kid you heard things that I don't even want to repeat in church. Wow. Pains your soul. So, maybe in your life, that fear of rejection is a, it's a video player that goes over and over your mind of, of what you're not and what you can't be and what you're not able to do. The fear of rejection means to stand in alarm, anxiety, dread, and cower before people. Let me give you a biblical term. You guys ready? Here it is. We use in psychology the word, the fear of rejection. Let me give you the biblical term. It's the biblical concept, the analogy. All right, here it is. The Bible calls it the fear of man. 
And the Bible actually says, watch this, there's actually something attached to the fear of man. It's not a cute thing. It's not a funny thing. It's a very, it's a very damaging thing. There's a scripture. Let me read this scripture in Proverbs. Here's what it says about the fear of man. That's why we've got to get set free. That's why we've got to be get free of this thing. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a what? What's that next word? Say it, a snare. Do you know what a snare is? It's a trap. The fear of man is a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. Whoever trusts in the Lord shall be strong. So there's a snare. It traps you. My grandma, you guys have heard my stories about my Cajun grandma from South Lafouche area, Golden Meadow, cut off. And she, she, she was a trapper, a literal trapper before school. She's a young girl in the 30s. Before they would go to school, she trapped in the bayous muskrat and minks, literally. Now, I know some of you guys think, well, I've been down there. There's nothing but nutrients. No, no. She pre-existed before nutrients came. <laughs> y'all do realize they came in the 50s from the Russians. I just want to let y'all know that. So I really mean that. She, I mean, she, in the 30s, and she, she was, so, so here's the cool thing. She had a trap that she literally used, and, as a, and she gave it to my mom. So as a young boy, I grew up in Metter as a young boy. My mom had this wall in our house, and she had all of these things. And on the wall, there was the, this trap that was like hanging on the wall. It was all of these artifacts, all these different things. I felt like it was kind of a wall of Cracker Barrel. As a kid, I, I'm serious. I was like, my gosh, anything can happen at any moment. You know, this thing fall and just whatever. The point is, is that my brother and I, we would routinely put a stick or something in the trap. I mean this. We would be like, Keith, all right. And so one of us would hold it. One of us would open it. And then the other one, you know, we'd get a stick and we'd put it in. And we'd go, wham. I mean, it would just like snap things in half. Snap a lacrosse stick in half. I'm telling you, I, I know that for a fact. And this thing was serious. Why does the Bible use the analogy of the fear of man being a trap? Because you can have great potential, great gifts and talents, and the hand of God upon your life. But if you don't get free from being controlled by what people think about you, let me tell you something, it'll hinder you in your life. By the way, I'm so proud of the 400 people, I want to say this to all the campuses, the 400 people that went through Freedom Weekend. Come on, can we give it up for all the participants? And the 200 that served, we had 600 people at the Little Creek campus on Saturday night. It's amazing. Man, I mean, it's just like preaching at the places on fire. But here's the point. The point of getting free from your past is not just to get free for the sake of free. It's so that you can get free to fully embrace who God's made you in the present and walk confidently into the future. That, that's the point. The point of being free is that you're not entangled and bound to the past so that you can fully obey God. You can be the man, be the woman that God created you to be. And when you're bound by the fear of man, you're bound to the past. You're, you're, you're trapped. God wants to break that trap. Amen. Saul was bound. He was bound with the fear of man. In the Old Testament, King Saul, he had the potential to be one of the greatest leaders in all the Old Testament. But he was controlled by this thought. This old video that used to play in his mind. What are people going to think of me. By the way, maybe you've got an old video that plays in your mind. A year and a half ago, I went with my daughter and my wife to Baton Rouge. We went to the Science Museum. 
And it's a really cool place. And if you go up there, there's a place. And she's my little daughter, my youngest one. She's just all into science. And, and there's a video. And I was standing there with Annalise. She goes, and we were probably, matter of fact, there was an, another movie we were waiting to get into about you're literally at Cape Canaveral. It was really cool. Like the spaceship, you know, the whole thing. It was really amazing. But outside of that room, and that movie was 20 minutes, outside of the room, there's a five-minute video. And the video would go through, and then it would replay. And then it would go through, then it would replay. And then it would go through and replay. And I thought to myself, you know what happens to a lot of us? We have a movie playing in our mind that's a movie that God doesn't want us watching. It's a negative script that was given to you as a kid or somebody gave you a script. It's not God's script, but somebody gave it. The problem is you keep playing it. And because you keep playing it, you keep feeling it. And the more that you play it and think about it, because what you think about is what you feel about. And what you think and feel about is the decisions you make. And that's why I saw there was a replay. He kept playing it in his mind. He could have been a great leader, but this thought, what are people going to think? I don't want people to not like me. What's it? Again, there's not to suggest that we don't care what people think, but we don't ultimately care what they think versus what God thinks. And Saul was an interesting character. Here's why. He was the leader. So they're in this major battle with the Philistines. Watch what happens. I'm going to show you very, the, kind of the, the, the central moment. When, when the, you, you do an anatomy, it's almost like an archaeological dig. If I can unpack the very foundation that shows us into his psyche, it's this moment. And it shows the, the, the positioning where he, he feared what man thought more than what God said. Man, that's so important that you get this in the message. There was a battle against the Philistines, and it was a rough battle. And they came to an impasse, and Saul was at Gilgal, and all the troops were around him. And Samuel was the prophet, actually a priest, and he spoke prophetically to Saul. Sam is a great man of God. And, and he told Saul, he says, I want you to wait. Don't do anything sacrificial. I'm going to commit, I'm going to give an offering of sacrifice to the Lord. I'm going to do it. I want you to wait. I want you to stay with the troops. God's going to be with us. Don't do anything. You just wait for me. All right, you guys ready? Here it is. <clears throat> so Saul the king is waiting for Samuel, the priest, who is, operates as a prophet. He gave him a word. Don't do anything. Don't do an offering to the Lord. Just wait. Just wait. Right, here it is. The army's surrounding them, and Saul's nervous. Watch this. Day one. Where's Samuel at? Gosh, he better move quick. Day two. Where's Samuel? Where is he? Why is he not coming? Where, where is he? Day three. Where is he? Uh-oh, there's, there's, there's rumblings in the troops. Uh-oh, man, there's rumblings. Day, day four, where's Samuel? Day five, where's Samuel? Where is he? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I, I, know, I, know, I know that he told me to not, to not do the, the, the sacrifice and, and, and to not do the offering and, and, and unto the Lord to light the incense. I know he told me to not do that. But, but the people, wait, 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 no, 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 wait here. Wait, guys, don't, don't go anywhere. Day six, where is he? Day seven, that's it. I'm taking matters in my own hand. The Bible says Saul actually goes and Saul, remember, he was a king. Kings don't do that unto the Lord. Kings allow the priest to do that. The priest stays in his lane, and the king was to stay in his lane. The problem was is that out of, out of the king's fear, he did what the priest was supposed to do. He committed a sacrifice. Why? Why did he do that? 
Why did he do that when he knew specifically from God, through Samuel, he wasn't supposed to do that? You ever made a decision, and it was a decision that you knew that was wrong? You knew that it maybe even violated a known scripture, and yet you did it anyway? And you're thinking, why did I do that? I want to suggest to you, nine times out of ten, it's because you caved into the opinions of man. You allowed the group you allowed the friends on your campus. You allowed the coworkers after work, the things that they wanted to do. And yet you knew in your heart that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go to those places. You shouldn't involve yourself. But yet you just, because you, didn't, you wanted to be liked. Nobody does. I mean, who wakes up this day and goes, hey, today I want to be disliked. Nobody does that. Watch what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 11. Saul, Samuel now comes onto the scene and here's what he says. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering, uh-oh, they were scattering. In other words, they were leaving him. When I saw that I wasn't going to be accepted by the group anymore, when I saw that the people didn't like me the way that I, when I saw them leaving, they were scattering and they were all assembled, but now they're leaving me. Oh my gosh, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I've not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. They were scattering. They were leaving him. Watch this. He was losing his influence. He wasn't losing his influence in the eyes of God before that. He was losing his influence before man. By the way, you can have the influence before man, but lose it before God. I'd rather have it the other way around. And let me just tell you something. Here's what happened. So he took into his own hands and he did exactly what God told him not to do. Have you ever been there before? Well, what's, why is that? Well, what's the paradigm? We've been talking about triggers. There was a situation. He felt pressure because of the Philistines. There was an environment. He was seeing and watching the people, the people that were coming, and they were, they were beginning to scatter. They were beginning to question him, and they were beginning. So, so he's now, boom, a trigger happens. What's a trigger? A trigger is a memory of a conscious or subconscious. You begin to feel it. When you begin to feel what you think, it feels so similar. It now transports him back. And he's like, wait, I get now. What does he do? He can't handle it. And he makes a decision according to the flesh. What he needed was he needed to be arrested in that moment. <sighs> Question. Are you more concerned about what people think about you or what God thinks about you? I'm asking, I'm asking every campus. I'm asking everybody online. Are you more concerned about what people think about you or we got, it's not to suggest that we don't want people to like us, that we don't have good social diplomacy skills and, and that we have courtesy and kindness. I'm not suggesting that we don't employ those strategies at all. I think Dale Carnegie's book, How to Rend Friends and Influence, it's a great book. You ought to read it. Remember somebody's name. Say, there's nothing wrong with courtesy and social skills. The problem is if you cross a line where you're now dominated in your thoughts about more what people think rather than God, you'll compromise your convictions. It's an issue of priority and ultimate authority. Saul was manipulated by his feelings, and he gave in to peer pressure. So now Samuel calls him out. He's called out. I know what some of you guys are thinking. Oh, Steve, this is just not a big deal. Oh, no, it was a big deal. It wasn't the first time. It was an insecurity in Saul to the point that his response, his response was so poor over and over and over. And now... The ultimate moment, the ultimate moment, it becomes clear. 1 Samuel 15, 24, 
Samuel confronts Saul and he says, I have sinned. I have sinned. Do you know ultimately when you obey man versus obeying what God has said in his revealed word? Can I tell you something? There's a problem with that. He said, I have sinned. What is it? I have sinned for I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord. I knew what the scripture said. I knew what the scripture said about relationships. I knew what the scripture said about moral choices. I knew what the scripture said. I know what the, I knew the Bible said this, but they said that. I know the Bible says this, but culture says that. I know the Bible says this, but society says this. That's right where we are. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord, your words, because here it is, guys, because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Two rejection traps. Number one, we became overly starved for acceptance. When we, when we are controlled by the fear of man, we become overly starved for people's acceptance. In other words, I remember, as a, again, as a young pastor, thinking so controlled by, what do they think? What do they think about me? Let me just help everybody. You can't please everybody. You can't. Now, you want to be kind to people, but you can't please everybody. Just when that group gets happy, the next group gets upset. Are you with me? That's why it is impossible when you put your focus and the locus of your affection and attention, if it's on people's acceptance of you, it, it's a, it becomes a bottomless pit. Number two, we become overly cautious of people. The fear of man, the fear of rejection, being hurt again, it's painful. You know what we end up doing? We end up, well, I'll tell you what we end up doing. We end up getting into a moment in our life where we don't allow anybody in. Why? Because I was there. I went there before. Boy, that was painful. So we become what I call a human leaf blower. You know what a leaf blower is? It pushes all the leaves away. Do you want to, I don't want to be somebody that pushes. Matter of fact, David could have helped Saul, but Saul, because of his insecurity, actually pushed away. Do you know what happens sometimes when we don't get free from the fear of man and the fear of rejection? We actually push Push away the people that God's trying to bring into your life. Man, I don't want that to happen in my life. I don't want people to get close to me. If they get close to me, they may hurt you. Life is about things happening. And we got to walk through things. We become overly cautious with people. We end up trying to protect ourselves, but we actually imprison ourselves. That's Saul. And he lived paranoid, tormented, tried to kill the very person that God tried to bring into his life, David. Why? Because he was bound by the fear of man. It's okay, pastor. How do I get free of the fear of man? How many of y'all want to get free of the fear of man? Come on, raise your hand. You want to get free of this? All right, let me give you three quick things and we'll close. Here we go. Number one, number one, if you want to get free of the fear of man, you and I have got to learn to say yes to pleasing God. Yes, first. First Kings chapter 22, we see a great story about another king, Jehoshaphat. And he was the king of Judah, and he was having a conversation with the king of Israel. And the king of Israel asked Jehoshaphat, hey, man, let's go back and go get everything that's been stolen from us. And he goes, wait a minute, time out. You want to do that? I want to do that. Watch this. Don't miss this. Don't miss what I'm about to say. It's in the Bible. Watch this. Verse 5, it says, but first. Everybody say first. Let's find out what God says. Do you realize the quality of our life, the peace in our life, the quality of our relationships, the quality of our conscience being stewarded under the authority of God? Do you realize how radically our life would change if we actually incorporated that thought process in? What does God first say about this? 
But first, not second, not third, not after you take taken a public opinion poll and let's ask what everybody thinks. Oh, wait, 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 time out. Let's talk to God about it. What if we really brought God back into the conversation? What if you brought God back into the conversation about your marriage? What does God say about that? What does God say about your relationship? What does God say about morality? What does God say about ethics? What does God say about kids? What does God say about money? What does God say about your future? What does God say about forgiveness? No, pastor, they wronged me. I don't care what happens. I deserve to be upset. I, I, don't, I, I hate them. I have unforgiveness. But the Bible says we've got to forgive. I don't care what the Bible, what have you done? What have you done? You have, watch this, you have, you have elevated the opinions of people and your own opinion above the opinion of God. Hey, I want to just say this. Why don't we bring God back into the conversation? Let me tell you, everything in culture right now is pushing God to the periphery. Everything in culture is trying to push God outside of the picture, outside of the frame. Uh, no, no, we're going to bring God back into the conversation. We want to bring God back into the center. Oh, pastor, you sound radical. You've lost your mind. No, no, no. Uh, actually, I have. I've lost my mind. I now have the mind of Christ, and I think clearly. I didn't used to think clearly. I didn't used to think clearly. I'm glad that we can have the mind of Christ. That's biblical thinking, which produces biblical feelings and biblical results. No, we need to have God in the conversation. What would happen to your life, sir? What would happen to your life, ma'am? What does God think about this? What does God think? Not, not, and I say this respectfully, not what are your kids, not what are your friends, not what are your parents, not what are your boss. What does God think about this? What is God saying to you? Oh, I never thought about that. Well, I know. What does God think? If you want to get free of rejection, the fear of rejection, it's not, you can't get free of rejection. It's the free of the fear of rejection. Because people, people are going to like you, people are not going to like you. But you can get free of the fear of it, which is the fear of man. Pastor Steve, what is this concept of the fear of the Lord? I hear in church sometimes people say the fear of the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? I'll never forget years ago when I got saved, I had this little promise book. And in this promise book, I memorized all the scriptures of the fear of the Lord. There's a whole bunch. I'd memorized, I think, like 26 scriptures. The fear of the Lord is to depart evil. The fear of the Lord, watch this, is the beginning of wisdom. Isn't that powerful? Man, I want to be wise. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, watch this, is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. It's all over. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord, does that mean that, you know, God is up there. He's kind of cranky. He's kind of in a dry, drunk posture in his life. Sunday, a little hungover-ish type deal. If you, if you wake him up, anything could happen, throw a book at you. So I got to fear him based upon the unpredictable nature of his character. Is that what it means to fear God? No, that's not God. God is consistent. God is holy. God is powerful. God is strong. God is stable. God's not waking up in a rage. Amen. I don't fear God because, you know, he's just unpredictable. What are y'all doing down there? God, man, woke me up. No, 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 no. To fear the Lord doesn't mean that we tiptoe around God because he just may be ticked off because he's not had his whatever. No, no, no. To fear the Lord means we honor God, we revere God, we respect God. But ultimately, to fear God means that we elevate and we hold up his word above all human opinion. That's what it means to fear God. That's what it means to fear God. Again, I want to say this. It does, it's not to suggest that we don't care what people think, but we care less what they think versus what God thinks. Everybody say, put God first. It's one of the core values at Church of the King. We put God first. Why do we put God first? We put God first. Here's why. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence. 
Pastor Steve, I just feel so insecure. I feel, yeah, let me tell you what you need. You need a fresh, holy baptism of the fear of the Lord. Because when you're captured by who great, how great God is and how he loves you and his hand is upon your life and, and he's redeemed you and he's restored you and what God can do, when you are captured by those thoughts, it delivers you from lower thoughts. It delivers you from, from base thoughts of what man can do to you. Yeah. Oh man, I've been captured by God's thoughts. What does God think? What does God think? The fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence. Strong confidence. And his children will have a place of refuge. We run into God. What? God is a strong shelter. God is our refuge. God is our stronghold. It's the fear of the Lord. Number one, we say yes to God. Everyone say, say yes to God. Number two, we say no to people pleasing. No to people pleasing. Let's go back to Saul for a moment. Over and over, he cowered to the fear of man and was an ultimate people pleaser. His insecurity in life cost him. It was triggered. It cost him. What did it cost him? He lost his position as the king of Israel. He lost his anointing, which is the touch of God. He lost his confidence. He grew paranoid to the point he wanted to kill the very person God brought into his life to be part of the solution of helping him. He lost his ability to relate to others. Here's how it plays out. Every single day, we have the opportunity. We got a fork in the road. We got a fork in the road. What are we going to do? Here it is. What does God think? What does man think? It's great when man thinks the same thing as God thinks. We're going to go down that road. But then we come to a fork in the road. What does man think? And what does God think? I'm sure those people were probably saying to him, hey, 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 Saul, Saul, why don't you do that little sacrifice? Get this thing rolling, man. Those Philistines are out there. What he should have said was, here, what he should have said was, no, I'm waiting because God has given me a command and I'm going to wait for Samuel the prophet. And I, and, and I love you and I'm for you, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I've got to submit to what God says, not what you say. So as long as what man says equals what God says, it's great. But the moment there's a divergency in the road, you got to go with what God says. What does God say? See, people pleasing, it keeps you ensnared. That's why some of you guys are ter- tired and worn out. Why? Because you're just trying, what is this person? I got to go. I got to go. Some of you moms just run around. I got to run around. Why? Why? Because we're so worried. We're so worried. Pastor Steve, do you care what we think as a church? Of course I care what you guys think, but I can't live enslaved to it. Do you think that each week I get lovely emails that tell me how great I am every week? I don't. Sometimes, I mean, you know, Pastor, thank you so much, you know, and obviously God's great. I'm not. I'm a sinner saved by grace, and now I'm the righteousness of God. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm gonna tell you, I get all kind of emails from all kind of people about all kind of stuff. Years ago, I used to be so enslaved by that. And I'd be like, oh, now it's like, I love them. Man, God's with them. God's for you guys. But we got to obey God. You got to obey God. In church day, you can't even talk about sin. Why? Oh, some people get upset. Well, if I don't talk about sin and how do you get free from sin, then I'm a false prophet and not a shepherd of God. Are you with me? You, you got to I, 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 listen, I, I love you. I love you, but I don't love you as much as I love Jesus. Matter of fact, you ought to have a party, all right? Here's the party. You you ought to have a party. Here's the party. Have all your friends over and look at them and say, man, I love you. I love you, but you're a lousy God. I love you. I love you so much, but you're a lousy God. I love you. In other words, when you you switch the price tags and you put put God in the place of man and man in the place of God, boy, boy, it doesn't work out well. It doesn't work out well. Number one, we've got to say yes to God. Number two, we've got to say no to people pleasing. Yes, we need to have social courtesies. Yes, diplomacy. But we've got to stick with what God says. 
Isaiah chapter 51, verse 12. Who are you that you should be afraid of man? Who are you? Who are, who are we to be afraid of mankind? We're going to die. And the son of man who was made like grass and you forget the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. I, I want to say this to every guy. Don't forget the Lord. You guys remember some of you, and I'm going to say this very respectfully. I've seen people, that, I've been his pastor 22 years here. They've come, their life is busted. They've gone through a divorce. They've gone through bankruptcy. God restores them. God heals them. God delivers them. They start prospering and they forget God. Don't forget God. Don't forget God. You stay with God when there's good times. You stay with God when there's bad times. Don't forget God. You stick with God. Woo, pastor, you're fired up. You know why I'm fired up? Because I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. We have a culture that is baptized in the fear of man right now. Because they push God to the edges and they wonder why they're, they're, they're just, just being blown around like a wind. Number three, respond with a new script. Respond with a new script. Remember that video in Baton Rouge? Remember that little script? Remember that script? That script that's going over in some of your minds? We've got to start with a new script. We've got a lot of movie people in our church. Some different actors, movie camera people. And I never, never forget talking to one guy one time. He says, man, I said, well, how's it work? He goes, man, I just walk up there. They give me the script. I said, well, how do you like, get into it? Because I said, I got to memorize the script. And then you play the part. My part is attached to the script. My part is the, the script is the words I say. And, the, and I got to just kind of embody the script. Wow. You embody the script. And then I got it. Your whole life begins to change when you embody the script. Your whole life. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Watch this, watch this. Things happen, triggers come, but you have authority over that trigger. No, 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 no. That's how I used to respond. I now respond as a child of God. God's for me. God loves me. God's with me. God's spiritual. I've been purchased with a price. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new man in God. A new man in God. Child of God. You're a woman of God, a man of God. So... What do I do every morning, every morning, every morning, every morning? I'm going to memorize the right script, the right script. Let me give you these declarations. I do stuff like this every day, every day. Why? Because people are always trying to give me a different script. They're trying to give you a different script, sir. They're trying to give you it right now. Ma'am, they're trying to give you a different script. Don't believe the script of the world. Believe the script of the word. There's a, if there's a fork, as long as, as long as your friends are saying what God's saying, stay on that path. But the moment there's a divergence, a moment there's two, there's a fork, stay with God. Here it is every morning. Take a picture of that. Everybody say, God is with me. Some of you guys, you know what? That script, that loneliness thing, I'm always going to be alone. Nobody loves me. God doesn't care about me. No, no. Stop the movie and take up another script. Bible says that God is with you. You're not alone. Wherever you go, even to the ends of the earth, God is for me. Everybody say, God is for me. Had a conversation with a guy one time in our church, a very successful business guy. He said, Pastor Steve, I'll be honest. I believe that God created the whole thing, kind of wound it up, stepped back, and it's up to me now. I don't think God's for me. I don't think God's against me. I just think it's just kind of, I just kind of do my best. I said, I appreciate your honesty, but it's not biblical. It's not biblical. God's for, God is interacting with me. God is speaking. God is helping. God is rearranging things. God's doing stuff. Everybody say, God is for me. 
Romans chapter 8, if God is for you, this will free you right now. Some of you right now, right now, some of you right now. You've been bound to the past, bound to the people in the past, bound to the fears of the past. You've got to get baptized with this scripture. This is the new script. If God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, can you say that at the count of three? One, two, three. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's Romans chapter 8. Here's another one. God is my father. Isn't that cool? God's your father. Maybe you feel dropped and left as a kid. You may tell you, if God doesn't leave you, God cares about you. God's a father. Here's another one. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I am not my emotions. I confess that over my life. I am not who I, I am not the sum total of my decisions in the past or my feelings in the present. I'm a new man in God. I am not what I feel because my feelings get crazy sometimes. How about y'all? Well, y'all are so holy, but mine get crazy sometimes. I'm not what I feel. I am who God says I am. What am I doing? I'm evaluating. The fear of the Lord puts God's word above the opinions of man. The fear of the Lord puts God's word above even what I say and feel about myself that is disconnected from what God says. Here it is. God is the one. Everybody say, God is the one. I ultimately honor. It's not that we don't honor people. It's not that we don't love people. It's not that we don't respect people. But ultimately, respect God. Lord, forgive us for not putting your word above all. Help us to be passionate pursuers of your word. Help us to live out not the script that was given to us, but your script for our life. A bright and a beautiful, abundant life. Not conflict-free, but filled with power to navigate through the challenges of life. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now, if you would. Just sense the Holy Spirit. If you're in this place today at all of our campuses, I'm going to ask our campus pastors to go ahead and come on the stage right now. All the campus pastors, if you come on right now, I've got just a couple minutes left. If you do not know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with God, you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. See, the first step in getting free of the fear of man, the fear of rejection, is when you surrender to God and you give yourself to a greater power. Yeah. Question, do you know Christ? You know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Jesus saves. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. And he died on the cross for you. He was buried and rose again on the third day. Do you know Christ? In just a moment, every one of our campuses and those that are joining us online, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to ask you to stand and come forward, but right where you are, sitting right in your seat, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up high so I can see it. You need Christ. You're not sure if you die today that you're ready to stand before God. If that's you, at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high so I can see it. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. You're not sure about your relationship with God. You need Christ. God bless you, buddy. God bless you. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you right there. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Church, let's pray. Let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. Every single one of us. Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus. I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to pray this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life, 
and I put in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. If you prayed and trusted Christ, you can text right now the word decision to 822-822, or you can fill out this card, decision card. Drop it in the buckets on the way out. We'd love to send you some information. I'm asking everybody to stand. Amen. Y'all enjoyed that message today. I hope it helped you guys. I told you at the beginning of the series, every week I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Next week, the following week, God loves you. God wants us free to fully serve him and give ourselves to him. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, bless your people. It's amazing people. May the grace of God be upon them. May the peace of God be your portion this day as you go forth. I claim the scripture in Psalms 512, God's favor. May it surround you this day like a shield in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Can we give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, let's bless the Lord. We love you guys. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Man, what an amazing message. And we want to take a minute and recognize what's happening in this moment. If you're giving your life to Jesus, we as your church family are celebrating with you. And the Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing. Yes. And the Bible also says that in this moment where you give your heart to Jesus, you're going from death to life. The old has passed away and the new has come. You are redeemed. You are chosen. You are whole. You are set free. So we are so excited to be a part of that journey. And honestly, right now in the chat, there's a link. And if you click it, there's a form and we can find out about your story and be able to resource you in this because we can't do this walk with Jesus alone. But we're excited to celebrate you and cheer you on as you just run after Jesus and closer to his heart. Absolutely, and we are here for you as your church family, and we would love to be able to pray with you. We actually have trained hosts that are trained in prayer available right now online. So let one of the hosts know in the chat, and they would love to take you to a private chat room where they can pray with you and help give you some, some counseling, some, some fellowship as you go on this journey Absolutely. of following Jesus. Well. Next week, we'll be going into week four of our series, Triggers, and I am super excited. I'm yes, sure you are I'm as well. I'm so excited for it because it's been really powerful so far, so I think it's gonna be even more powerful as we get to the end of it. Absolutely, and yeah. I know Pastor Steve's got another great message prepared for us, but hey, remember, invite a friend, bring someone else along on this journey because yes. it's not just for you, it's for your friends, your family, your loved ones. But we yes. can't wait to see you at church next week, same time. Same place. We'll see you then. <laughs>